Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast. Now, a good way, a very good way to finish the week, Larry, a Friday here in Sydney, a Friday morning. How was your Friday at work after United get the job done like that? Oh, Tom, it was, you know, I was actually happy with the result. I thought it was a good game of football. Like, it was definitely really entertaining. But United, boy, when there's a way to do it the easy way, they just, they choose to go the difficult route. You know, they you, you get the option to go down the M5 and they want to go down Canterbury Road. They make it hard for themselves. But look, you have to, at the end of the day, the final stat is the score. And it's three points. It's three points. And it's a crucial three points in what looks like a very tipsy-turvy season. Well, I think the biggest surprise of the game was, well, not the biggest surprise, but in terms of it was inevitability that we're going to concede first. Were you shocked that it was that early? Or were you thinking maybe we're going to hold out to maybe the 20th minute before we inevitably gave them a goal? I can't believe I'm saying this, Tom, but I wasn't shocked at all. Um, it just seems to be the norm. And I'd look, I'd love for United to obviously venture away from that. But it just, but in saying that, while I expected the early goal, I did also expect us to mount a comeback. And you have to say, that's a good expectation to have. And it just shows the confidence within the squad that they at least have the belief to come back from a deficit. Well, I think we might as well start the podcast on there. And obviously the elephant in the room, um, Dean Henderson's selection, which... We both said on last week's podcast there was a lot of talk about Henderson maybe getting the game because of um, obviously playing for Sheffield United. There's a lot of rumours that Solskjaer was going to do that. We both said that we don't quite agree with that. It's a big game. It's a high-pressure situation. You might as well just play David A. He's your number one keeper. You can use Henderson during the week in the League Cup just before Christmas. However, he has uh, picked Dean Henderson. And before the game, this is probably the main sort of talking point, is Solskjaer saying that he penciled Dean Henderson in for a few weeks. Now, he got a lot of criticism for that. Now, I'll just pass to you because I've got a few things to say about it. But your thoughts pre-match where you see Dean Henderson's name on the team sheet, but also Solskjaer saying it was almost like a, let's say, a sentimental thing for his selection? Yeah, look, I don't think there is room for sentiment in your team lineup. I just think that that's playing with fire. Um, and I think you saw that with Henderson early on in the match. Now, credit to him, if you look at the full 90 minutes, I think Hendo definitely comes out on top and you can say he had a good performance. But in those early stages, you can see that he's got, and we've spoken about this before, I think because he clearly rates himself as a first-choice keeper, he almost looks a bit desperate on the pitch, like he needs to impress. So I thought that, you know, if... I think if Solskjaer had his time again, maybe he doesn't do that. But look, credit to Henderson nonetheless. I thought he performed pretty well. On that sentiment thing, and look, deep down, I do agree with you, and I agree with everyone's sort of criticisms of Solskjaer for taking that approach. However, a lot of the criticism thrown at him is saying, oh, Sir Alex Ferguson would never do that. And I'm telling you, Sir Alex used to do that on a weekly basis. I play, okay, you're playing in your hometown, I'll play you, or your parents can come to this game, I'll make sure you can play in this game. Sir Alex Ferguson used to do that so, so often. So this myth that, okay, he wouldn't do it, so we have to label, uh, we have to criticise Solskjaer for it, I think is nonsense. So all the players speak about sort of the way they were dropped in for certain games because, okay, this player has a, he scored the last three times he's played at this park so he has a good record at this park so I want to play him that's, that's public knowledge of what Sir Alex Ferguson used to do so deep down I agree in terms of that whole in terms of the word the term sentiment but I wasn't I didn't agree with the selection um, I, I definitely would have picked up De Gea thank God it did turn out right but I wasn't crying about it over social media to a lot of people were however my opinion might change might have changed after two or three minutes when Dean Henderson was 
largely at fault. We'll get into the blame game in a little bit. But your thoughts? Obviously, we knew we are going to put the ball in our own goal eventually in that first couple of minutes, which we both just then discussed. But your thoughts on the first goal? Oh, I mean... Look, personally, it was a bad one. I I felt he wasn't helped by Maguire giving him the ball back. I thought it did put him under a lot of pressure, but ultimately he didn't get the ball out of his feet quick enough. And he's been in the Premier League long enough to know that. Um, So, look, and you know, you have to say, again, credit to him. He even, like, on his Instagram post, he puts his hand up, he acknowledges it's his mistake, but... The true mark of character is how you respond from a setback. And he could have easily dropped his head after that. And I thought the way he responded, particularly late on in the match, with that late save, it was in injury time. I thought, you know, all in all, I'm happy with his performance. I think he definitely hasn't discredited himself in my eyes. Yeah, no, definitely. And yes, might as well touch on a very important save at the end. Um, My heart was in the mouth when that was struck from the striker. But... um. On the goal, and look, there's no hide in Dean Anderson's largely at fault. It's a horrible mistake by him. You should clear it. He's at fault for the goal. However, you do mention Lindelof and Maguire, and especially Maguire, you say the mistake is giving the ball back to Dean Henderson, which is correct. For me, it's before that. It's when Henderson goes to play Maguire. Maguire doesn't get far enough away. Maguire is almost still on the six-yard box. So when Maguire does get the ball, he has no option because where the striker's pressing. Where if Maguire is on his bike and gets outside the box then Henderson plays that ball outside the box. Well, then now he's got two angles. Now he's a lot closer to Tellers where he can play that ball to Tellers. He's further away from the striker, so that striker has a further distance to cover in terms of pressing him. But he was so close to sort of the action, the striker was on his touch straight away, which forced him back to the goalkeeper. So, look, Dean Henderson is at fault. It's a horrible mistake. But again, yes, um, I think it's very poor from Harry Maguire. And I think think Harry Maguire defended quite well. But it just, it's all this hard-in-mouth stuff with the way we're playing out from the back. It's clearly an instruction by Solskjaer. So just your thoughts on We'll discuss it a little bit. But I think it's something we're going to have to get used to in terms of this playing out from the back really deep into our own half. I mean, you can look at it in pros and cons without getting too technical or boring anyone listening to this podcast. I think if you look at how we play with the ball, you have to say it's worth the risk. I think... Every team should play to their advantage. And if you look at United's team, um, you know, man for man, you can say we have excellent, classy attacking options. You you look in that midfield, particularly in the final third, and then with Pogba and Bruno, and then further forward, you've got Rashford, Martial, who both showed their quality today. Mason Greenwood, Cavani, when he's available. There are a lot of classy options. And I think for United's perspective, it almost has to be that Look, it's easy to say it when you're on the other side of the world, but Tom, I think if you're playing to your strengths, we should almost have that mentality of you score three, we'll score four. Now, I know that that comes with its risks, but I think you need to play to your strengths, like I said. And if you look at the quality we have, I think it's it, it would be criminal to say, you know, defense first. And we've seen that over the last few weeks. We saw that approach with against Leipzig and we saw how that played out. You saw the flip side today and it bared fruits. Well, speaking of sort of defending, I want to get the final negative out of the way before we focus on the positive, because we did win this game. We are looking up at the table, so it is a positive podcast, but I'll just get the last negative out just here in terms of that second goal, and we can bring Dean Henderson back into the discussion because, okay, we're just going to discuss the whole sort of zonal marking and our sort of weakness from defending set pieces. First, just on Dean Henderson, do you think he's at fault at all? Because a lot of blame is at Maguire and Lindelof. I think... 
that ball has floated a long way and it's inside the six-yard box. I think my first criticism is no one's on the post. I think there should always be, at any level, at any level, under 12 football or Premier League football, you should have men on the post. I can't understand any argument for it. And half our players aren't marking anyone as well, so you might as well mark the post. But I thought Dean Henderson maybe should come and collect that ball. I'm not saying David De Gea does because it's a definite sort of weak point of De Gea's game. But I could envisage um, David De Gea trying to come and get a one-handed punch on that where Dean Henderson yeah, was unfortunately glued to his line. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, and like you say, it is a weakness in De Gea's game as well. But punching the ball in those areas, I'm not a fan of. You know, you, you should go to collect the ball in those instances. And yeah, it was poor. And to your point, you say no one's on the post. So in my opinion, a good goalkeeper is one who commands his box. He should be yelling at whoever it is, it's generally your fullbacks. Hey, get on the new post, get on the post. So, well, on that you point, know, t- which I completely agree, but that just brings in the next point in terms of who is at fault here? Is it the players? Because obviously adopting some type is... I don't think it's all just a clear zonal defending, a zonal plan, but there are huge elements of a zonal, especially the front post area, that players do pick up. And I think we're sort of man-marking mainly towards the back post, which was evident in this goal. But who is at fault? Is it players like Maguire? Is it the captain? Or, in my opinion, this comes down to Solskjaer. Solskjaer has obviously given them the instruction to take that zonal approach. So you say Dean Henderson should be telling Juan Basaka or Luke Shaw tellers to get on the back post. But Solskjaer might be giving them another instruction. So who do you think is at fault for this sort of the, oh. the weakness of our defending set pieces? Well, Tom, well, that's the problem. With set pieces, and we've seen it time and time again... There's no one player who constantly makes errors in this instance. So clearly it is ultimately on the responsibility of the manager to keep doing the same thing and expecting something different is criminal, you know, and that's not just in football, that's in life. So you have to say, I don't think the zonal marking is clearly working for United. In saying that, and we've discussed this before we started recording, if you look at the nature of the way we concede the goal, Lindelof wins his header. You could almost say it's... In this specific case, a little bit of, you know, it's a little bit of luck in the, in the case oh, of Sheffield United. Yeah, okay, so, you know, taking everything into context, but with the greater picture, you have to say, yes, I think Solskjaer and the coaching staff definitely need to consider at least their approach because the zonal marking doesn't look to be working. Yeah, no, look, I agree, but just on that one incident, I remember when the goal went in, so many people and so many of the loud voices on social media were saying, look at this zonal marking again, zonal marking is the problem. That goal had nothing to do with zonal marking. Lindelof wins his header. It was unfortunate, hit the big bald guy's head and went in. There was absolutely nothing wrong on Lindelof. Maybe he could be hopefully taller or jump higher and win the header more convincingly, but um, that was definitely nothing to do with zonal marking. But we will go on to the positives. And we were discussing this, Pogba and Bruno, I still have concerns over sort of playing them both in big games, but look, we're playing against a team who haven't won a game, so you don't, wouldn't really class this as a big game. So I think it is a almost the perfect game to throw a Pogba and Bruno Fernandez in. But your thoughts on... I thought we'll start on Bruno first because I thought Bruno was good. Throughout the game, was very good. However, I think they showed out a stat. I think it's his first time since he arrived... Um, at Old Trafford that he hasn't either scored or assisted in an away game and again I'm not going to criticise but I thought he was good today but he was very quiet do you put that down to him being quiet or was it Pogba sort of really stepped up and sort of filled the void look and again I've said this numerous times as well there's two sides to a game of football I think if you're an opposition 
I'll flip the question. If you were an opposition manager and you were versing Manchester United, who are you identifying as the key man? Yeah, well, you definitely got Bruno. Well, you've seen that in recent weeks. They've got teams have gone out to kick him off the park. Exactly, and I think in this case, you've seen Sheffield United have targeted Bruno with an effort to keep him quiet. They've shut down the lanes, and you saw that particularly at the start of the match. We really struggled to get the to get the ball to those forward players. Um, but in saying that, and this is what I compliment Manchester City for, when you have classy options, particularly in midfield. It just allows that, should the attention go to one player, you can't mark every player out of the game. So it gave Pogba the freedom. And, and to his credit, it gave him the... He had the ego and the personality to take the game by the scruff of the next step up and be that creative outlet for Manchester United today. I don't think Bruno was bad in any sense, but he was effective. And where I'll credit Bruno here is he can be guilty of trying too hard when things are not coming off for him, whereas he clearly did see that Pogba was getting a lot of benefits from himself attracting a lot of the defenders from Sheffield United. So, And that's all you ask for, you know. He doesn't need to be brilliant every game. If every player plays their part and then you just allow the players who do tend to get space, because like we say, you can't mark out every man, especially when they have the level of class that Bruno and Pogba does then you're going to get results. Well, where do you see... We'll go to Paul Pogba. God, we flip-flop on Paul Pogba. I was here two weeks ago saying he shouldn't play again. Solskjaer doesn't trust him. He should never play for United again. Sell him the 1st of January. However, he then goes and puts in a performance like that, and he has been good since Ray Ola's comments, and you think, God, there's a future in Paul Pogba there. Now, obviously, I'm resigned to the fact that he'll very likely leave come the summer. But you think when he's in that form there, like it's further proof, and obviously Bruno Fernandez has proved to be far more effective, which then so-called makes him a better player for Man United. However, when you see Paul Pogba play football in that mode, he's our best player, and we are very good when our best player plays well. Absolutely, but you have to say it breaks your heart a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, like you said, two weeks ago we're sitting here and we're like, seriously, if he doesn't play again for Manchester United, so be it. But then you see performances like today, and like particularly the ball for Martial uh, in the lead-up to the Frenchman's goal, you have to say it wasn't world-class or breathtaking, but what it was, and sorry, let me rephrase that. It was world-class, but not in, the, not in the ball itself, but in the simplicity in which it is played. You have to say like that is a classy play, to have the composure to do that. And it was almost, it was a no-look pass. Like it was, it was brilliant, and... That had to have the composure to pull that off in those tight situations. Like, Tom, there's only a handful of footballers who have that sort of ability. It, it really is. And when Pogba puts in those level of performances, you have to say it makes you feel like a case of what could have been. But, you know, let's enjoy him for while he's here and see where the season ends up. Well, just on that goal, goal and as you say, it's a fantastic ball. But we've seen Bruno. Bruno tries that ball maybe 10 times a game. However, no one makes the run, so it looks like Bruno's just kicking the ball to no one. You think, what the hell is that? But what makes that part, and again, nothing away from the pass from Pogba, it's a brilliant ball, it's a brilliant bit of thinking, is the run by Martial. Martial makes the run, and obviously the two things click together, it results in a goal, so you remember the run, you remember the pass, you remember the goal. You don't remember the 10 times Bruno kicks to absolutely no one. So I think the fantastic by Paul Pogba... But I think this goal, obviously, the goal scorer, it comes down to Anthony Martial. And we'll just touch on his performance and his goal because, by God, he needed it. He did, and really well-rounded. And But you know that 
Strikers live on goals. They really do. And you saw Martial's confidence, his all-round gameplay improved after that moment. Because, again, look, he knows. He knows. It was his first goal in the Premier League this season. I'm sure he was over the moon with that. Hasn't he scored in the Premier League? He hasn't. That was his first goal in the Premier League this season. So when you take that into account, I'm sure like he'll be so happy to be off the mark. But, yeah, look, I thought Martial played really well today. He really did. Without being overly world-class or brilliant for what we know Martial to be, I thought he was really effective. And I, and I hope that it can be a catalyst for the rest of the season for him. Yeah, no, look, I thought he was very good. And, and besides it being good, I think he, he could have dropped a 1 out of 10 performance. The thing for him now, and especially today, it was a goal. And he gets his goal with a bit of luck, which maybe is the thing that needs it. If it was a simple goal, um, where it was just very sort of textbook, maybe it wouldn't give him the confidence, but maybe just that change of luck of the ball bouncing for him and poking it in with his toe, uh, maybe that might change his fortunes. But fingers crossed. But we'll go on to someone who, again, like Paul Pogba, we flip-flop on Paul Pogba. We sort of do the same thing with Rashford and Martial. One week we're saying Martial's the better player. Next week we're saying Rashford's got to be the better player. Martial was very good today. But Rashford stole the show. Um, we'll start on his first goal. Rashford or Dimitar Berbatov? Oh, mate, if Dimitar Berbatov has been giving him coaching lessons, I mean, it was clear as day. I think Berbatov like, put it on Instagram. Berbatov mentioned it on Instagram. Oh, Tom, it was ridiculous. It really was. Like, the, look, if I'm being entirely honest with you, I, look, I think Rashford's a good player. We've debated whether he can be like that world-class, that top bracket of footballer. But when you see a touch like that, there's, again, I think there's only a handful of footballers on the planet who are capable of a touch like that. Because anything heavier, I don't think he's, he manages to pull off the shot and goal he did. Excellent touch. And I have to say, without dwelling on Rashford too much or overhyping his performances this season, I think you've seen a maturity already. I, I think that's his 11th goal of the season. Considering it's we haven't even finished the year, I think he's on par for an excellent goal return. And again, he was on penalty duties last season until Bruno came in. So again, could be a record-breaking season for the Englishman. Yeah, well, he missed a chance just before he mentioned his, his confidence and his maturity, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Is when he makes a mistake now, he, he does seem to put it behind him where he, in the past he often didn't. He often sort of dwelled on his errors. But now he missed that chance. I think he was flattered offside, but he still missed the chance. Then a couple of minutes later, gets it again and makes no difference. And taking nothing away from the touch, it's, it's a brilliant touch. I don't think the touch is out of this world. What makes it out of this world is the quick thinking to finish straight away. Like you see, the ball the ball doesn't go in the corner. The ball goes straight through the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper, the last thing he's expecting when Rashford takes the great touch is for him to pull the trigger and hit it with power. I think that is what makes the touch so brilliant. Um, it was fantastic. And before before we move on to his second goal. A little bit of credit. We've just, we don't want to get into the defensive debate being between Maguire and Lindelof, but Lindelof is a, that's a fine, that's a great pass. Uh, he picks it out. It's not a, it's not a long ball. He sees the run by Rashford and lofts it over, hoping he can get something, whether it be a first time volley or in on goal. So a little bit of credit to Victor Lindelof for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Very, uh, very Rio Ferdinand esque, um, and obviously very completely different footballers, but. Rio was so good with the ball. I think the younger generation or, you know, those born in the late 90s or early 2000s will forget. Like, you, you always see the plaudits for ball-playing defenders now with the likes of, say, a Van Dijk and Laporte at uh, Manchester City. But Rio Ferdinand was a ball-playing centre-back um, in every means of it, um, in every means of that, that description. And very Rio-esque in the way that that ball goes over the top. So great vision by Lindelof. And again, a wonderful finish by Rashford. 
Okay, very well could be a first for the podcast. We're comparing Victor Lindelof to Rio Ferdinand, but um, there you go. Just in the ball playing ability, <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> completely different football. Oh, I mean, in the same sentence. I think <laughs> it's the first one, but Lindelof and Ferdinand in the same sentence. But on to Rashford's second goal, which, again, goes straight through the goal. It wasn't the greatest finish, but my God, it's a good goal because we'll start with Paul Pogba and touch on Pogba's performance. But what he did in those first couple of seconds of the build-up for that goal, when we signed him all those years ago, that is in my head what I had. That's what I thought he was going to be doing week in, week out. He gets the ball back to goal and just says, I'll wait till the defender comes near me and I'll just roll past him. So he, he waits, I think it's Flick, I think tries to get close to him. He just puts an arm out, shields him, rolls him to one side, creates a little bit of space, a little Maradona spin around another defender and then plays Bruno in. The touch by Bruno Fernandes, I think, is underrated. I think it's weighted to perfection. It's just a shame Greenwood is brought down. And I don't want to give, I don't usually give these people any credit, but credit to the referee for playing the advantage. But then the quick thinking of the players to take that advantage. And I think who was it then? I think Rashford plays it into Martial, or Bruno plays it into uh, Martial and he gets it back to Rashford. And um, yeah. classic, classic Man United counterattack. And we've seen some of these counterattacks under Solskjaer since he's come in. I think it's just, I wouldn't say counterattacks are flukes, that they're not something that's really worked on in the training ground. The main thing worked on is that movement and just intent to go forward. If you're running forward and making runs and making movements, you're going to create chances. And I think when that ball broke, I think it was Bruno Fernandes who played it through to Martial. There was just an intent to go forward and score goals. There was, and yeah, that comes back to that point I've made you know, 10 minutes ago. I think United's strength is going forward, Tom. Um, and you look, for, for whatever you think of whether Bruno and Pogba play well together against the best sides... Nine times out of ten, you're versing everyone else but the top six, but the elite teams in, in Europe. Well, we're not even in the Champions League, but you take my point. You know, I think United have the ability to really cause havoc to any team that they verse in the final third. So I'd really like to see Solskjaer and the, obviously the playing squad just focus on the strengths of the team. Because like you said, brilliant football, it really is. And you just saw today in, in that small glimpse what just some link-up play can do against opposition who potentially does sit back, but also on the counter-attack, we've got threatening pace all over the pitch. Well, we'll go on to 3-2-1. So now, after the game, we'll mess each other and we'll think, oh yeah, Pogba was man of the match, you know, best player on the field, blah, blah, blah. Looking back at it now, we'll go into the 3-2-1s, I'll throw three points to you. But straight after the game, we'll think of Paul Pogba, but the more I think about it, Marcus Rashford almost stole the show, yet you have to take into consideration the two goals. But he did perform very well. So just your thoughts on man of the match? Oh, look, in hindsight, I think it'd be harsh not to give it a Rashford. The, the nature of the first goal. I mean, and the thing you also want to take into account here is we were behind. So to get that goal back, it does set you up for obviously the comeback that we do go on to, that we do go on to achieve. Look, again, wonderful touch and goal. I want to give him three points for that alone. I thought Pogba was fantastic, but goals are the most crucial statistic in the game. So I'm happy to give three points to the 23-year-old. Yeah, no, no arguments. So we'll go three points, Rashford. I think pretty unanimous we'll go Paul Pogba for two points. Now, one point, I think we both agree, we were discussing this morning as well, but I'll let you steal the floor for one point. Oh, it's a tricky one, you know. I actually thought there were a few good players on the pitch. I actually, I want to give it a Lindelof. I do. I, I, thought, thought, he was, I thought we I, agreed on Tony Martial earlier in the day. Did we? 
unless I'm speaking to another Larry, I'm sure I was talking to you and thought Martial was very good. Am I being harsh? I mean, I, I mean, no, I, no, I thought so. But Lindelof was very good as well. I'm just thinking. Um, I th- thought as a centre forwards display, I thought Martial did he br- and obviously got his goal. But in terms of we have mentioned Lindelof, um, he did do well as well. So state your case. I mean, look if you. I thought Lindelof individually actually played really well today. And I thought with the assist, maybe give the guy some credit. Considering I give him a hard time a lot for most weeks. So, I, you know, maybe I was just feeling a little bit generous. Or it could just be the lack of sleep is making me feel a little bit different than I'd normally feel, Tom. But, if you know, if you want to put a case forward for Tony, I'm happy for it. You know I love Tony. Well, I think there are a few instances, especially in the second half, where Martial wasn't dropping deep in terms of trying to get the ball but sort of found himself in deep positions. And there was one, it must have just been before we went to 3-2. I don't know if, I think he was subbed before that or he was subbed after, I forget. But it was late in the game when we are starting to be under a little bit of pressure. I think we were giving away a few corners, a few free kicks. And he came in and had no right to win this foul. But he just, he got into a position where he was almost manhandled the defender, just got his body in between and just won a foul. And it was just, went down a little bit of time wasting, sat down, sort of readjusted his boots just to wind the clock down. And we talk about maturity with Rashford's performance. I think Martial, again, when he plays that centre-forward role well, you can see a future for him there. Okay, Obviously, we do look at Cavani. Cavani looks a more natural finisher, a more natural number nine. But if Martial progresses and develops into what we think he can be, he is almost that perfect number nine. I think, again, he needs to improve a lot. He needs a lot more goals. Hopefully, this goal will kickstart his season. But um, I thought his performance as a centre-forward was crucial in terms of our attack and performance because the ball needs to get forward. It's, it's great Pogba and Bruno playing great passes, but the ball needs to stick when it goes forward. If it goes forward and it bounces back, well, you're just going to be defending. You're just going to be trying the same thing over and over. But so often today, we'll get the ball into him. It's maybe a one-touch ball off to Bruno or one-touch to Rashford or one-touch to Greenwood. But it, that first pass is so important. And I thought Martial, not man of the match, not three points, but I thought very um, sort of worthy of one point. Look, Compelling argument. I'm not one to argue. One creme brulee, one goal, one point for Tony Martial. No worries, Tom. Sign me up. Okay, well, we'll go on to the Facebook comments just quickly. And a lot of the 3-2-1s pretty much agree with us. And Martial has been included. Well, everyone will go. George has gone three points for Pogba, two for Rashford, and one for Martial. Josh has gone three for Rashford, two for Pogba, and one for Martial. And Vin has gone three for Rashford, two for Pogba, and one for Martial. So all very, very, very similar, which is good. Um, it's a good problem to have like that. But we will go on. Before we go on to the Leeds game, just a little bit. We discussed a little bit with um, Dean Anderson and the era where you sort of knew it was going to happen. And football is the most unpredictable sport there is. That's why we love it. When a player's in on goal, you don't know if he's going to score. When just speaking of Martial, when it goes across the goal phase of the goal against PSG. You hope it's going to go in, but you don't quite know any skies. It's so unpredictable. However, you can flip that and almost say football is the most predictable sport. It has these narratives, these storylines, which you can just see happening. Today, when Dean Henderson was selected, you just knew we were going to concede a goal early on, and it was very likely going to come from a big mistake from Dean Henderson. You just knew it. It was written in the stars. So I just want to look at now, United season has been written off. United Solskjaer is a PE teacher. He needs to be sacked. It's our worst uh, in Premier League history or whatever it was. Seems We seem to have that record every single season. So everyone has written us off. But now we're just starting to get the ball rolling a little bit. You're seeing records. You're seeing, was that 10 away wins in a row? I know we, don't, we can't be talking about the title yet. We're a long way off title talk. 
but you can almost see that. And is the narrative starting to develop where you think, in such a unique season, we've seen Leicester win the league, but this is such a unique season. Like Liverpool lost by seven goals to Aston Villa. It's a crazy season. Could it be written in the stars almost that Solskjaer performs a miracle and wins the title? Tom, it is not the most far-fetched thing we've ever seen. Look, I think a lot needs to... If United can fix their starts, and particularly their home form, because like we're doing the we're doing the hard stuff, we're we're coming from behind, we're winning away from home, and if you look at that away from home ladder, like United come on well on top, but in terms of this season, at home we're we're seventeenth, right? So if you can just sort out that home form, who's to say where United can finish? And like you say, it's it is a weird season. But we're the most informed team in the Premier League. It doesn't lie. We're not as far off title talk as everyone suggests. Sure, you might look player for player and you don't think that it's feasible, but clearly the latter suggests otherwise. Well, you say that in terms of informed. There's the stat from when Bruno came in, Bruno's first Premier League game to now. United, and again, a season's not played from January to December. But if you look at the, the they put a table together from Bruno's first game to now, we're winning it. I forget how many games it is, but we're, I think we're a point above Liverpool or maybe ahead of them on goal difference. Or maybe one point eight, I think it was. Okay, you need to get it right from August to May. That's when you need to get it right. But maybe we are just better than what we think we are. Maybe we are. I'm not going to say the best team, but if you look over the last calendar year, well, facts are facts, we have been. Well, and that's exactly it. I think the... I think is it since February... Or so, or since January? Yeah, well, he was signed in late January, so I assume his first Premier League game was probably February. Well, well, that's it. So, United, in terms of formed teams in the Premier League for the best part of a year, are showing that consistency. Yes, look, that's that's looking at the ladder. We see the performances. We've been lucky in some instances. You think back to the match against Brighton, like, you know, winning a penalty after the full, full-time whistle. Like, yes, there are instances of luck. But you know what? Liverpool had instances of luck when they won the title last season. I felt every VAR decision fell their way. So you need luck to win a trophy. And I feel like, but United, look, it's not the best playing squad in the world. We've said that these defenders with Maguire and Lindelof can't win the premiership. But Tom, look, I'm, I'm happy for them to prove me wrong. I really am. And I think United do have the attacking class to trouble teams. So if you can just score more goals than you concede, we're in it. We really are. No, fingers crossed. Well, I think we'll reevaluate it come Christmas, and then if I still think if we're in this position come Christmas and the start of January, then you can look at okay who's available in January, and you'll we'll get a very clear picture on what the Glazers and Woodward think, and are they just happy going by and sort of making ends meet, or are they going to really push on and give Solskjaer the tools to? Because who knows in the next couple of years the position this club has been in, who knows if we're ever going to be in a position like this again to go on and challenge? So. It is a big couple of weeks coming up for United, but we will just go on to quickly preview the Leeds game now for the actual game. Obviously, we, we're here in Sydney, which has started to get their own little um, little outbreak of COVID sort of in and around sort of some of the suburbs in Sydney, but Manchester didn't come out of Tier 3. It obviously stayed in Tier 3, which means that no fans uh, are going to be allowed back in, but they were scheduled. The ballot was out for... Um, for fans to return um, to Old Trafford. So just your thoughts on, again, it's obviously a bigger discussion, but your thoughts on no fans coming back for the Old Trafford Old Trafford match against Leeds? Well, look, it's disappointing. Like, I, I look, personally, I don't see the issue with 2,000 fans in a stadium. I, I, I really don't see what much more of a threat that's going to cause. But, 
Look, Boris Johnson's a clown. That's just the way it is. It's disappointing, but I think the game will serve an intensity. I'm hoping that with that rivalry, and Solskjaer knows, Solskjaer knows the rivalry. I'm sure he'll be in that build-up. And he's already said it post-match this game. To you know, He's like, we'll be ready for this game. We've been waiting years for this. Solskjaer's saying the right things. I think he'll highlight the importance to the players. And Look, you hope that they turn up, and it is does almost have that derby feeling. It, it deserves that. It really does. Well, besides that, and yes, it, it is a massive match. I, I still think a lot of people underestimate and almost forget what the rivalry is and how much it sort of means to fans. But if you look at that and, and if you take all that out the window and just look at the footballing point of view, is Leeds a tough... Obviously, it's going to be a tough game, but are Leeds a tough game for us in regards to they're a good team? Or is it going to be quite an easy game? I wouldn't say, well, I wouldn't say easy, but they play so open it almost plays into our hands because they're not going to change. They're not going to go park the bus. They're, they're going to play the same style, which Bielsa always does. And I remember, and again, we're not going to make judgments over a pre-season game 18 months ago, but when we watched them over in Perth, which is obviously the last time United played Leeds, we just had a field day. Every time they went forward, Marcus Rashford and Dan James just were attacking at will. So is it? how do you see this game going? Is it either going to be an absolute nightmare where Leeds play us off the park because they sort of have the ability to do, do that on the ball, or is it going to be a dream where they just leave so much space and we go and pump them 4-0? Oh, look, I don't think United are going to keep a clean sheet, so I wouldn't be a betting man on that. Look, I think it, it definitely has the potential to be a game with lots of goals. Um, I think United will concede. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that United can start fast. And like you say, I think the way Leeds play, it does play into United's hands from an offensive point of view, but... Look, you can get a Harry Maguire and Lindelof. Then definitely far from the perfect partnership. So, you know, I actually think that you could see Luke Shaw. I could see Luke Shaw starting this one. I think if you're looking for a defensive, more not a defensive performance, but if you're looking for more defensive cover, which, like you say, Leeds will attack us. I think you could say that's probably why Tellez did come in today, and I think you'll see Shaw back in the lineup. But look, United definitely have the potential to go on and put on a score. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, no, I think Shaw um, comes back into the squad, um, definitely. He didn't, not so much Tellers did battle, I mean, Tellers was fine, but I think this is almost that time of the season where there is going to be one or two rotations, and Tellers' selection against Sheffield, I think, is a clear sign that Shaw will start at left-back. But we'll go into in the midfield, which we obviously discussed a lot in terms of Pogba and Bruno. This is a game where, look, if he, if he drops Pogba now, like the Knives will be out thinking, how can he drop him after such a good performance? But it is a game where it concerns me because Leeds move the ball so well throughout midfield. If we play well, fantastic. Pogba will go and dominate. He'll kill the Leeds midfield. However, if Leeds get a foothold in the game and it's not going our way, I would much rather, and I think deep down Solskjaer would much rather a McTominay. I'm not calling for McTominay to start, but I think he would much rather a McTominay and his energy in that midfield over Paul Pogba if Leeds get into the game. I look... I totally get what you're saying, but I think you'd be mad to bench Paul Pogba after what he did today. I really do, Tom. He, he's such a class footballer. Like, I look, I flip-flop on him every week. I really do. But when he's in the form that he showed today, I think you're crazy. Like, Look, you have to play players on form, and he's a world-class player on his day. While he's actually hitting a purple patch, let's just write it out, for God's sake. Would you then, if you because obviously Bruno Fernandes is playing, so you're playing Pogba, you're playing Bruno... Do you have to... I think he was good today and not didn't stand out, but I thought he sort of 6, 7 out of 10, your man you managed. Do you have to then replace him and put a, let's say, a Fred or McTominay instead of him? Oh, I mean, look, you do, of, of course, have to have some sort of defensive cover. 
Because, um, look, Pogba is a more forward-thinking player. And, look, you don't want to restrict Paul Pogba. You know, you always want to play to a player's strengths. So let him get forward. I think Matic and Pogba play well together, but I think this might actually be a game for a Fred. I really do. I think Fred just covers the, covers the ground that you might need. And against an opposition like Leeds, I think you can take that risk. Um, I think Fred will have... Uh, look, the risk with Fred is obviously his touch and receiving ball from deep. But I, I just don't think that this is a game for Nemanja Matic. It's going to be fast-paced. I think he could get exposed. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, we'll just go back last week. We talked about, just when we finish in the pod, saying who do you think will be the key man? And I don't want to get on my high horse here, but I was saying for the Sheffield United game. Now, I did say he could be for the wrong reasons, but thank God it ended up being the right reasons. I was saying Paul Pogba, I thought, would be the key man against Sheffield United. Thank God he was. But we'll go into this one. I think, and again, I don't want to make judgments based on a pre-season game two years ago, but I think in the form he's in and the way Leeds play and the gaps they will leave, I think Rashford hopefully can continue his form and if he does he will definitely be the key man this week I think he's almost the weapon yeah I agree with you I think he's the most informed player in that forward lineup. he's got the he's United's leading goal scorer so he has every man to be the main threat for Leeds um, but in saying that Tom I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that Martial can really start turning around that goal tally I feel like his confidence really you know, he did put in a good performance, but you saw that lift in him after that goal. And he scored the sort of goal where you did need a bit of luck to fall for yourself. And I think Martial could have a really big game. But yeah, I'm with you. I think Rashford's definitely the one to watch here. And just a tricky one to finish on the right-hand side. I think Greenwood again was good today. And nothing great, nothing fantastic, but it was very good. I don't think he probably plays this one. I think maybe he gets a start against Everton in the League Cup. So the right-hand side is a little bit interesting. Dan James was warming up until that goal, then they obviously had to make a different substitution. Do you see maybe a Dan James or even one matter coming in? One matter I would not go with simply for the sort of game we expect it's going to be. I think it's going to be a fast-paced game. You need, it's a game for legs. Um, and I mean that with all due respect. I know you love one matter. Um, so I, I would be going Greenwood. And I wouldn't be opposed to Dan James starting. I feel like this is a game where he'll get space. But I don't know, Dan James is a weird one. The speculation and his links with Leeds haven't gone away. So I'm very curious to see where he does end up this transfer window. But we'll see. Yeah, no, it'll be an interesting one. It is, unfortunately for us here in Sydney, a 3.30am kickoff on a Monday morning, um, which, which which is a test, which is a bit of a test. But um, for a Leeds United match, I don't think it could be 3.30 on any morning, I think. Um, all Sydney Reds will definitely be up for it because, again, I think a lot of people are forgetting just how big a game is it, it is. And unfortunately, there won't be any fans there, but I'm sure once the whistle goes, the emotion will be there. Hopefully, from the players, as you say, Solskjaer has mentioned it. He has, Solskjaer used to have a very good record from memory in this game against Leeds, so hopefully he um, does have the players up for it and we don't concede in the first 30 seconds, which, if you're a betting man, you're probably smart to go down the tab and get on that quick smart. But, um... Good to chat you to finish the week, Larry. Yeah, mate. Brilliant as always. And hopefully we'll be discussing another win against Leeds and our push, dare I say it, for Title 21. Yeah, no, we're definitely going to have plenty of title talk in the coming weeks. Maybe over Christmas we'll have to sit down and discuss um, where we're going to have our title celebrations. But hopefully all our listeners um, enjoy the podcast. Um, Make sure you subscribe on your podcast app, so whether it be SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it may be, please be subscribed so you don't have to click sort of searching for it. It just pops up when we upload. Uh, make sure you're following us on all the social medias, and we hope you have a good weekend, and we'll be back on Monday night to discuss the 
thumping win over Dirty Leeds. So until then, Larry, have a good weekend. All right, you too, mate. Cheers. Cheers.